Let's have a word of prayer together. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the day. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless and keep folks safe as uh, the weather's uh, a little dicey today. And, uh, Father, I ask that you would uh, uh, just give wisdom in your word. And uh, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, if you uh, would turn your Bibles there. Uh, two uh, uh, particular poems, one uh, written by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. Uh, the poem says, Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood, and I looked down one as far as I could, but where it bent... In the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, but it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black, oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way I doubted if I could ever come back I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence two roads diverge in a wood and I took the one less traveled by and that was made all the difference there are two roads we can take in life one road is the one uh, that's uh, well worn much traveled and uh, the other is without wear and overgrown for less traveled. And most will take the road that's well-worn. It looks a little, it, it's, we're there. Uh, you take that journey. I, it's always uh, uh, fun to go. And, and, uh, but there are those who take the road that's less traveled with, with frost. They say all that has made all the difference. The, uh, the difference in the road. And uh, it's kind of funny, if you pull up, you look at a road, and you're driving your car, you might think of how you would approach certain roads. If it has grass growing up in the middle of the road that's knee-high, what do you think? Is that the road you want to go down, or do you want to go down the road that's nice and smooth, all blacktop, no grass growing up? Most of us would look at it and go, well, I think I want to go down the one that's nice and smooth. I want to go down the one that's there. That's the road more traveled, right? Or, uh, that road that's more traveled. John Oxenham, he wrote a poem that said, To every man there openeth a way, and ways and a, and a way. And the, soul, the high soul claims the highway, the low soul gropes the low. And in between, on the misty flats, the rest drift to and fro. But to every man there openeth a highway and a low. And every man decideth the way his soul should go. And uh, before each of us, there, there opens a way. We can choose to be a, a, a high soul. We can take the high way or we can choose the low way and take the low. Both Frost and Oxham uh, remind us that, that uh, which the road we take, whichever one it is, whichever road we choose, is a matter of choice. And uh, the uh, uh, life and times of Bonnie and Clyde. Miss Heather remembers Bonnie and Clyde, not really remembers them. They're a little earlier than her lifespan. But uh, we come along and you go, there we are. The 1930s couple became um, some, uh, somewhat of notorious bank robbers. They, uh, they in uh, uh, E.R. Milner, tells about how shortly after they met, Bonnie slipped a gun to Clyde in a Waco jail, aiding him to escape from that Texas jail, that Waco jail. 
in uh, his he comments, he says, up to this point, Bonnie Parker still had two choices. She could either live a law-abiding citizen uh, without Clyde Barrow, or she could continue to support him in the troubled life that he would almost certainly lead to more serious criminal acts. Well, Bonnie chose to go with Clyde, and it was a choice to take the low way that would lead to a life of crime and death at the age of 23. She made a choice, young in life. We continue to look, and we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and chapter 6 is, is still part of that greatest sermon that's uh, ever been preached, and Jesus talks to us about the importance uh, we must make in life. You could say that it is a, a choice of taking the highway or the low way, and the choice is, is made which road we will travel. So uh, as we look, and I want you to notice in chapter 6, let's see what Jesus has to say, beginning in verse number 24. He said, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So as we uh, look, he tells us the word master there speaks of one supreme in authority. It speaks of a, the controller or, of, of, or Lord. Jesus is talking about who is in charge of our life. He's talking about who is the Lord, who's the one that guides, who's the one that directs our life. Each of us is controlled by someone or something. There's something, someone or something that sits on the throne of our heart. And the great question that, that Jesus confronts us with is who or what? Who or what? Jesus speaks of two masters. These two masters we see are, are competing masters. They're, they're competing. There are uh, two that are, are competing for control of our lives. There's the devil and, and uh, there is Jesus. So there's eternity and there is earthly. Paul described it as a competition between the flesh and the spirit. So we, uh, we look and we read in Galatians 5 and verse number 17. Scripture tells us there, For the flesh lusteth after the spirit, and the spirit lusteth after the flesh. The word lusteth means it's to set the heart upon or to long for. The spirit and the flesh are, are at constant war with each other for control of our life. Both have made it their goal to be the master of our life. Both long to be in charge of all that we do and all that we are. And they're constantly they're competing to be the Lord of our life. So they're not only competing masters, but they're also conflicting masters. Paul speaks of the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for control of the life. And he adds these are contrary to one another. To be contrary to, to one another means to, to lie in opposition to one another. They are bitter adversaries of one another. Their, their agendas are, are in opposition to one another. Their purposes stand in stark contrast. Their, their objectives are, are as different as night and day. One seeks to, to draw us close to God while the other seeks to draw us away. Uh, one has the objective of making us like Jesus and while the other seeks to, to make us more like the world. Or, uh, one's motivated by eternal values while the other one's motivated by earthly values. We, uh, we see that uh, the question that's before is, is which one is winning the battle? Which one's winning the battle and which one's controlling our life? See, it's, it's one or the other. Jesus said no man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. So there are two conflicting masters competing for the control of our life. And 
only one can be served. The, the word serve literally means or speaks of a slave. As a slave, there can only be one master. One master. A Baptist and a Mormon were talking one day about the subject of polygamy, and the Mormon said to the Baptist, Show me one verse in the Bible that forgives, uh, forbids polygamy. And the Baptist said, No man can serve two masters. Let you think about that. But Peter Forsyth was right when he said this, The first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom, but its master. Its master. And again, the question that is before us, is who or what is our master? Who or what is our master? One of the great hymns of our faith, uh, uh, Judson Van Venters, I Surrender All. In the late 1800s, after graduating from, from Hillsdale College, uh, Van de Venter became an, an art teacher and supervisor of, of art in the public schools of Sharon, Pennsylvania. And the great passion of his life was to become recognized and a recognized artist. He wanted to be one that, that folks knew, and he was a Christian and active member in his church. And during an evangelistic meeting in his church, God began to speak to him about being an evangelist. For the next five years, he struggled with the, the pull in his heart to evangelism and his, his desire to become recognized uh, as, a, as an artist. And, and in his own words, he said, for some time... I had struggled between developing my talents in the field of art and going into full-time evangelistic work. At last, the pivotal hour of my life came and I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life. My prayer was, Lord, if following that hour of surrender, and he wrote the great hymn, that hymn that says, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live and within every believer wages a war within you and I there wages a war who's our master who's our master who's our Lord who's the Lord of our life see the the world wants to lay claim on to our allegiance see the Lord Jesus wants to be your Lord understand the world desires to be your Lord but Jesus deserves to be our Lord on what basis well he's our creator he's our savior he he, he deserves to be the Lord of our life so notice the, the, the fact that uh, with me that Jesus not only speaks of two lords, but he speaks of two loves. Two loves. The, the, the reason there must only be one master in our life is because either he will love the one or hate the other. Jesus was saying that whoever or whatever has authority, whoever or whatever has authority in our life will also possess our affection. We'll love one another, and, or we'll love one, we'll hate the other. The word hate is used in verse 24 is a word that is often used to speak of, of loving less. Loving less. For example, Jesus said in, in Luke, 20, or Luke chapter 14 and verse 26, If any man come to me, hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. It would be preposterous to think that Jesus was telling us to detest or, or to despise our mom, our dad, and, and our, our family. In order to be his disciple, nothing could be further from the truth. What Jesus meant is, is clarified in chapter ten, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37 when he said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. See, we've got to put it in proper perspective. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is talking about loving 
loving less rather than hating in our sense of, of the word. So Jesus was telling us that if the world is the master of our life, we will love the Lord less. So if Jesus is master of our life, we will love this world less. So the second question Jesus confronts us with is who or what do we love? Who or what do we love? Who who or what do we love? And it could only be one or the other. Think uh, with me for a moment and about these two loves. First, there's a love that is condemned. The Bible uh, tells us or says in 1 John 2, 15, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ephesians 2, 2 speaks of the, the, uh, the course of this world. The word course means the age of this world. When, uh, when we talk about the world, we're talking about the, the age in which we live, the age or our, our, our society that has no room for God. The things that are in this world refer to the passions, the pleasures, the, the purposes of the world, things that are often uh, ha- have a uh, grip on our attention and our affection. John Wesley defined the, the world as anything that cools our love for Christ. Anything that cools our love for Christ. So anything that draws us away from God is is worldly. Therefore, a, 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 a love for the world is condemned. We're not to love the world or the things that are in the world. Secondly, a love that's commanded. Jesus told us in Mark chapter 12, in verse number 30, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. We all should take careful note that loving God is commanded. Loving the Lord is more than, than just something that we put in our Christian life to make it run better. No, it's commanded to every Christian that we love God. Think about what the Lord has done for us. We shouldn't have to be commanded to love him. It should be so easy to love the Lord with our heart, soul, and mind. We, we would be in hell, or at least on our way to hell, if it had not been for the Lord Jesus. How can we not love him? Think about a girl that came home from a date. She said, I ran up the door, opened the stairs, said my pajamas, and put on my prayers. Turned off my bed, tumbled into my light and all because he kissed me goodnight he's all kinds of she's all kinds of confused wasn't she we should be madly in love with the Lord Jesus for all that he's done for us I read a, a story about a young actress of a theater uh, owned by her father and one day in a large city she's walking down the street and she noticed a, uh, through an open door a pale a uh, sick girl lying on the couch, and she stopped and she walked in, thinking that she might cheer the young, uh, uh, the young child, and up. And and uh, what she found was a young lady who was devout Christian. And the words of of uh, 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 of this young lady, her her attitude, her spirit, her countenance, lit with a heavenly glow, greatly impacted the actress, and, and led her to accepting the Lord Jesus. Well, she went. To her father told him that she was giving up the stage and wanted to serve the Lord. The father told her that if she quit her 
their means of living would be lost, their business would be ruined. He said, you are the star, and you can't quit. She loved her father dearly and said she would fill their engagement in the next city, and the father was happy. He had been able to, to change his daughter's mind, and the evening came for the show, and a large audience had gathered, and the curtain rose, and the actress stepped out on the stage to the applause of the crowd, and she stood there for what seemed the longest, and, and then softly said, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior, Art thou, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Can you say, if I ever love thee, my Jesus, tis now? Jesus confronted us with two questions. Question number one, who or what is your master? Question number two is, who or what do you love? And the third question has to do with loyalties. The third question arises from the words, or else... He will hold the one and despise the other, the text says. He'll hold the one, despise the other. In these words, Jesus confronted us about our, our loyalties. Our love and loyalty will be given to whom or what is the master of our life. See, as we look at the loyalty Jesus calls for, we see he describes a total devotion. The word hold means to hold oneself opposite. The idea is uh, of total devotion to one's uh, uh, allegiance and affections uh, lie. If the world is your master and you love the things of the world, you'll give your devotion. If Jesus is your master and you love the Lord, he'll get your total devotion. It's one or the other. See, there's no total devotion, but there is also, uh, there's not only total devotion, but there's a total uh, uh, disregard. Jesus said that, when we hold the one, we'll despise the other. We'll put up and say there's a disregard. The word despise literally means to, to think again. It's to, to disesteem someone or to, um, uh, uh, in other words, we'll, we'll place great value on one and little value on the other. There, there will be total disregard to one because of total devotion to the other. See, I'm sure you might be familiar with this song as well. It said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is to be the Lord of our life where uh, we are to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind and it's a decision to follow Jesus, never to, to turn back. See, there's total devotion to, to the Lord and a total disregard for, for, for the world. See, the most inspiring people, it's amazing to walk through. I, I think of David Livingston, and, and uh, you can look at uh, the great missionary that he was. Or we might look at Robert Moffat, who said, On a clear morning, the smoke of thousands of village could be seen where the name of Christ had never been heard. He would serve 30 years in Africa. We might hear of Florence Nightingale who said, God's taken away the greatest man of, this, uh, of his generation. What made David Livingston should be a, a great man or what would make him a, a great man was not his exploration 
added to known globe about the, the million square miles, it was his devotion to Christ. When Livingston wrote, I am a missionary, heart and soul. God had only son and he was a missionary and a physician. A poor, poor imitation of him I am or wish to be. Heart and soul, he belonged to Christ. There was no doubt who was Livingston's master, who he loved, where his loyalties laid. His heart would be broken by the death of, of a child infancy and death of his beloved wife. Time and time again, his body would be racked with fever, dysteria, and sickness. And one journey alone, he had 31 attacks of fever. In 1871, his strength failed him. Feet sore from ulcers, teeth falling out through sickness, weary in body, sick of heart. He laid in a hut for 80 days. His sole comfort and help was his Bible, in which he read through four times in those 80 days. On March 19, 1872, when 59 years at 59 years old, he wrote, My birthday, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all, I again dedicate my whole self to thee. But the gray-haired explorer and missionary this time went forward in every day of the march, being marked with dysentery, pain, in every convenient place he would have his his carrier stop and let him rest. But April 29th was his last day of travel. On the morning of April 30th, they found him in his hut, a candle burning beside his bed, kneeling as if in prayer, his face in his hands, but the servant of God was dead, and the natives took the great master, as they called him, buried his heart and his internal organs under a tree. They embalmed his body by by drying it in the sun, then wrapping it in calico, bark, and canvas, and they began a nine-month journey in which they carried his body, all of his personal effects, through hostile country, all the way to the coast where it was taken back to England. There, identified by the arm crushed by the lion's jaw, his body was laid to rest with great honors in the famed Westminster Abbey, Cemetery. The Africans kept and buried his heart in Africa because they said his heart belonged to them. See, in one sense they were right, but in reality his heart belonged to the Lord. His devotion was the evidence. See, Livingston was a great missionary who served the Lord his days all the way to the end of his life. And how exciting it is to see. You look and you say, that's a pretty morbid story because he died. Yeah, but he was obedient all the way through his life. And where does our loyalty lie? Livingston's lied in the Lord Jesus Christ completely, all the way to the end. And the answer to that question is not, is who or what do we love? The answer to that question is, lies in whom or what is our master? Who or what is our master? So as we ask that question, we have to look within and say who or what my master is.